2: Horticulture, silver rushing, and uh, we're going to be talking about gardening. I know it's, um, you know, here it is in the middle of the morning. It's probably too late already to get out there and do anything because, uh, hey, Java, understand this. Can they hit 100 degrees this weekend in Mississippi? 100 degrees.
3: Yeah, we've been having uh, heat advisories, I know, for the metro area, um, you know, Jackson and surrounding areas, just about every day this week. And it was funny because they have been advising. If you want to do anything in your yard or something like that, do it before nine a.m. and after <laughs> and after five p.m. Like other than that, please stay inside.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm I'm seeing a lot of people who are who are asking questions about watering plants and and things like that. And I've got some tips I can share uh, about that. But I'd also remind people that that birds and Bees and butterflies and a lot of other creatures out there, uh, possums and raccoons, they're all thirsty. And so if you could put out some shallow bowls of water out uh, in the evening, you may not even like raccoons and and possums and things like that, but they need some water. And um, especially butterflies and bees and birds, any kind of shallow dish has got a pile of gravel in the middle that sticks up out of the water because butterflies and bees can't land on the rim or stand in the water like birds can. They have to stand on something and sort of suck water from between gravel. So if you put out a, a bird feeder, just put a handful of gravel or or, a, or, or squeegee from the from the, the kitchen. Anything that bees and butterflies can land on. They really need it right now. Hot as it is. So uh, anyway, it's going to be weird. Going to be weird. 106 degrees is what it feels like. I think. Man.
3: Yeah, the real field is always at least about five degrees more than what the actual temperature is. But I always like the way you um, describe how you're suffering where you are. because. uh, Well,
2: (laughs) I I don't want to get too much in it because it sounds like I'm bragging. The fact is I'm suffering through, uh, it's supposed to get up to 67 here in northern England today. It got down to 50 degrees last night, high of 67 today. Mm-mm-mm. Nobody's
3: asking any questions about water in their f- garden over there.
2: <laughs> no, but but you know, it's it's really interesting because I, I have been over here. Um, I'm covering some flower shows. I went to the Royal, I'm, I'm a member of the Royal Horticulture Society. I usually don't talk much about that. Also, the American Horticulture Society. Uh, but they have uh, uh, big botanic gardens all over the country. You know, we're talking about a, a country that'll fit inside Mississippi, has got seven major Royal Horticultural Society Botanic Gardens, which are finer than anything I've seen anywhere in the South. The Atlanta Botanical Garden, uh, the Memphis Botanical Garden, even the Huntsville Botanical Garden, they're nice. But the RHS has got them scattered all over it, and they have flower shows every year. A lot of people have heard of the Chelsea Show and Chatsworth Show, and the, uh, this year, in a, in a couple of weeks, is going to be the world's largest flower show at the Hampton Court near London. But this past week, I went to the Royal Horticulture Society Flower Show at Harlow Carr, which is in Yorkshire, and uh, it was just incredible the stuff that they have, uh, with good ideas for what we can do in Mississippi. Mostly uh small beds that have a lot of different stuff planted in it. You know, we tend to plant two or three things, and they look pretty good. But something dies, or a bug gets it, or or I or, or guess you know, the wrong time of year. What they do is they mix a lot of different stuff up, so there's always something to see and always something to keep your spirits up while you get around to replacing what's time to be replaced. Uh, also, a lot of raised beds and container gardens, even planting in tires, they do that even here in England. So, uh, anyway, be glad to talk. to you. Oh, I also, last week uh, for my birthday, a matter of fact, uh, I wonder if we can play something just a second, but uh, I have spent my birthday in Liverpool last weekend. Uh, partly because they have an open house they have a a, a garden scheme here in england that 's called uh the, well it 's just called the uh Oak Gardens for Charity. and they open up small private gardens and you pay the you know the equivalent of a dollar to get in to see them uh but all these gardens are private gardens 're small gardens where the people themselves act to do the gardening. I visited several in Liverpool, and I remember one lady in particular, she she had so many, she had raised beds and containers. We're talking about an area the size of your garage. But she had raised beds and containers. She had fruit plants and herbs and vegetables. She said her husband had been a horticulturist, and while he was alive, she couldn't do anything in the yard. And and when he passed away, she pulled up all of his plants and all the grass. She says, because I'm not a cow, I can't eat grass. And all of her flower beds or vegetables and herbs, and it looked gorgeous in an area about the size of where I would park two or three pickup trucks. So anyway, it, it, a lot of good ideas for small space that don't require a lot of hose dragging and stuff. So uh, and I don't know, Java, can, can, we, can we do that little short clip that, that a listener uh, – Send me about my birthday.
3: Yeah, go ahead and set it up, because this is really neat, man. And he, he really helped move this show yeah. along with the nice little phrase. <laughs> yeah, th-
2: th- this is a fellow. He's from Germany. He lives in Mobile. And, uh, and and he calls from time to time and, uh, and wants to, uh, to and, and, and hear it my birthday. As a matter of fact, he was the guy who coined the, the phrase Mr. Mohai. Uh, when he called me in, but anyway, he's from Germany. Last week he got out his accordion and he had his 11-year-old grandson named Jackson. And this guy's name is huge Kimnada. Kim, excuse me, Kimnada. You, it looks like George Kimedy, but it's Yuse Kimnada. Um, and his 11-year-old son grandson playing the trombone. Get this. I started playing the trombone when I was 11 years old, and it paid for my college. It paid. It got me in the Navy. It paid for my. It basically, got me the job I've got. So I want to encourage uh, um, uh, his grandson Jackson. His first appearance on national public radio is a uh, huge Kimnata and his son Jackson do a little short accordion trombone duet for my birthday.
0: A
1: one, a two, a one, two, three. <laughs>
3: That was perfect, man. You know, it, it doesn't get any more sweet than that. That was, that was that was perfect.
2: 11-year-old Jackson, and I started trombone when I was 11-year-olds, and I still sound like what they call geese poots on a muggy day. It's not very fun, but having an accordion makes trombone less cheesy. So anyway, hey, we're here to talk with folks about their gardening. Uh, let's go down to Gulfport and talk to, Molly, uh, to, to Malin. Good morning, Malin. How are you?
0: Uh, good morning. Uh, I've up? got a question we uh, had a sago palm that were grouped in threes you know it's like they almost came out of a common trunk right so I sectioned it one of them and planted it and we planted it all the way to the fronds or whatever you call it, the branches were coming out and that was about two months ago and it seemed to be doing okay and now all the Uh, branches are turning yellow. Uh, Did I plant it too deep, or what's going on, maybe?
2: Yeah, because, you know, you planted it all the way up to the leaves? You planted the trunk part in the ground?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Nope, nope, nope. That's that's like taking an oak tree and planting it 3CD. They have a uh, Sago is not a palm. It's a cycad, but it's like a palm. And they have—they don't have real tap roots and, and big roots like trees and shrubs. They have like a furry, fuzzy thing, and it's at the very yeah. base of it. That's the only part that needs to be in the ground. If you plant it deeper than that, it simply rots. So you—you you planted it. You planted the the trunk in the ground. So um, it needs—if uh, if it can still be saved, you need to dig it up. And only the very base of it is the only part that needs to go in the ground.
0: Gotcha all right
2: well thank you okay good luck on it yeah that's a good question i mean you know you really can't tell on a palm is that a trunk is that a root i'm not not real sure about that but uh you know i mentioned earlier that that people are concerned about watering a lot of people are watering every day they're watering their potted plants every day and um you know i'm not going to say that you shouldn't do that but i'll say you shouldn't have to do that a a, a plant that's in a reasonable size pot That gets watered really, really well, and then you come back a few minutes later and water it a second time so it soaks in. You should be able to go for several days, a week or more between soakings. Uh, And when it comes to shrubs, young trees, things like that, if you're watering every day or even more than every twice a week sometimes, and especially the lawn, if you're watering the lawn more than really well once a week that causes root problems. It makes it dependent. You're setting the plant up for diseases, for for root damage. So even your lawn should be watered no more than once a week. I I know you have irrigation. I know it looks good. I know it sounds good. I know it makes you feel like you're doing something. But according to all turf research done from Florida, Texas, and Carolina, Mississippi State, a really good soaking every week or two is plenty for the lawn. If you're doing it more than that, it can cause problems. So try to wean your grass by watering every other day, twice a week, uh, then once a week. But try to try to, try to train your plants where they don't have to be watered all the time. And then cover the ground, even in pots, cover the ground with mulches. It's really important to keep the ground shaded. keeps it cool. It keeps it moist. Um, and it protects roots and also worms and stuff. So a lot of mulch, even on potted plants. So uh, we got the lines open. If you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. R I N G is how you spell the numbers, which I can't remember. But uh, I-, I can't eight seven seven MPB ring. We're gonna take a quick break and come back with your phone calls here. Me and Java Chapman and all the other folks here at at MPB. I uh, would like to also mention that it's a good time to prune spring spring blooming shrubs like azaleas and and, uh, blueberries. Good time to prune those. they still got plenty of time to put out new growth, be nice and full before fall, and set flower buds for next spring. So It's a good time to get out and prune uh, spring blooming shrubs if you haven't done that already. It's hot. Drink some water, put on a hat, get out there, and get back in before the sun knows you're out there. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after this. Okie dokie, folks, welcome back again. Horticulture Felder rushing. We've got some lines open if you want to give us a call. I know a lot of folks are concerned about uh, their, their vegetables and herbs. Right now we're seeing a, a big, upt- a big big uptick in, in insect activity. When it gets warm, you start seeing stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs and squash vine borers and white flies, a lot of those kind of insects. If you're spraying in a herb garden or vegetable garden, it's really, really important to choose what you spray uh, because a lot of insecticides are not labeled for use on, on, on edible uh, plants, or they have a waiting period between when you spray and when you can harvest. So a lot of times you've got insects. If you do a little pruning ahead of time, that gets rid of a lot of them, and then spray late in the day after pollinators have gone into the day. Try not to spray in the morning or the or the or uh, midday because there's a lot of good guys out there. Um, and there's some safe insecticides that are natural but powerful. Uh, so if you have some questions about that, call your county extension office or master gardener or shoot us an email. But the main thing is always read a label before you spray an edible crop to make sure what you're spraying is safe to spray it on and there's not a waiting period after you spray. Now let's slide, slide down to the Gulf Coast down to Long Beach. Hey, Joan, how are you this morning?
5: Hi, I'm doing great, Felder. Um, I know you've ta- you've talked a lot about uh, watering lately. and In fact, I was just listening and you were commenting about grass. And my question is, um, my husband and I have this kind of this debate about grass, because I know that you say to water like once a week, but how much? I mean, I've got these sprinklers that, you know, they oscillate around <laughs> and they, they water a large area, but I don't know how much is, you know, is necessary. Do I do an inch yeah. or do I, how, how, how do I gauge that?
2: well it's it's a real good question uh and and it, it and it's just i have to give a general answer here's the deal if you if you put some 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 cans out there some shallow cans or something with straight sides on it and put several of them out there and turn your sprinkler uh-huh. on then it will uh-huh. it will measure how much water gets in those cans. They do several so you can get an average. Uh, so that way you can tell what an inch of water is. Is how much it takes to fill a can up. But here's the deal. Even more important than that is how you water. If you can have your sprinklers tied where they come on two or even three times, about 30 minutes between them. What that does the oh. first time you water. Yeah, you know, like if you yeah. water a potted plant, right at first, the potted soil will right. up the water runs it. If you water one yeah. time, shut it off, and then come back a second time, it pushes that first one down deep. And so watering uh-huh. two or even three times, a uh, uh, 30 minutes an hour apart, is really, really uh-huh. more effective than just sprinkling two or three, t- four times a week.
5: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I heard you talk about that in in regards to our potted plants, you know, and that finally made sense to me that um, a lot of times when I water and I think I've given them enough, if I come back later and I poke my finger down in there, like, oh, there's not much water in there. Yeah, yeah what, so, what happens
2: The potting soil, potting soil it shrinks when it gets dry, and, and if you just moisten it, I always water twice. If you just wet soil, wet everything pretty good, and then come back a few uh-huh. minutes later, the potting soil is swelled up tight against the pot, uh-huh. and it really soaks in a whole lot better.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, good advice. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I okay, love I
2: appreciate it. You know, I, I I hope I hope I was on the right side on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you were. <laughs> good. I appreciate Thanks, you John. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, Alan, okay. Uh, okay. You bet. See you later. Hey, slide, let's slide just a little bit on over towards Mobile to Biloxi. Hi, Sally. Good morning. How are you?
4: Hey. Good morning, Felder. Question about blueberries. We have uh, three sets of blueberries uh, in different parts of our yard. And two years ago in December, we cut uh, one of them back, one of the sets back, because they had gotten too tall for us. Well, they're barely producing this year when the other sets are doing wonderful. I know it's
2: because we cut them back, but I thought that after that first year, the second year would be plentiful, but that's that's not the case. Well, here's here, a couple of things about it. First of all, uh, blueberries are, are spring bloomers, and if you prune any spring bloomer past around the middle of August or so, it'll put out new growth but it won't have time to set flower buds in the next spring. If you prune it, prune it in the winter, they go so so it, it goes all your bears So it's really important to get spring blooming things like azaleas and blueberries pruned by the middle of the summer. So the new growth has time to come out and mature and set flower buds. And so, you know, when you prune them in the wintertime, you really set them off because it was several weeks or, or even a couple, three months before they put out new growth. And all of a sudden that new growth is being pushed by those roots that were not pruned, and they grow like crazy uh, without setting uh, fruit. So when you prune something hard, it's really important to not fertilize a whole lot the next spring because they've got good roots. And they come back and tip. Prune the new growth so it in turn bushes out instead of shooting up real tall. So, I get to, to summarize, the best way to prune blueberries is you can cut them back pretty hard right now, you know, as soon as you get through picking them. And any new mm-hmm. growth that came up this past spring that doesn't have berries, you can prune that now and it has time to set out new growth before fall. And then next year you can prune that to picking it up. But no, no pruning past the next couple of three or four weeks.
4: Okay, so I should take those ones that really didn't produce and go ahead and prune those back
2: now. Yeah, 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 pr- pr- that's right. Prune them back. And and uh, do you have mulch around them, like pine straw or bark or anything like that?
4: No, but I can.
2: Well, blueberries are woodland plants. They don't grow out, in a lawn is basically a prairie. It's an artificial prairie. Blueberries have roots like azaleas that grow best sort of wide, like sticking their fingers out and wiggling them in a really good, rich, woodsy type of soil. So it really helps a lot if you can lightly work the dirt up out around, uh, away from the shrubs, and then cover that with real tree leaves. I don't mean bark or pine straw, but real tree leaves because they they get eaten by worms and dug down around roots, and worms actually improve soil. They come up and feed on stuff at night, and they dig it way down around your roots. They do a better digging job than, than, than I could. So Lightly, you know, pull the grass back, lightly work the, the dirt up, put some real tree leaves on top, and you can cover that with something pretty if you want to. This will help the blue have a better root system, which is a key to everything above ground.
4: Thank you very much, Felder. Have a great weekend.
2: Okay, appreciate your call. Okay, uh, I um started to mention this, Java. Uh, I got a uh email from somebody down South Mississippi, had a picture of something on that her she had a uh satsuma, like a, a an orange bush, had what looked like a living piece of bird poop. Big white black gooey bird poop. But it was moving and it looked terrible.
3: Slow down, Felder. It, it was moving? I,
2: yeah, almost almost the size of uh, you know, of, of, of your finger. Uh, but it turns out that is actually the larvae of one of our best butterflies. We have this uh, big swallowtail butterfly, a yellow and black called giant swallowtail. Its larvae feed on citrus plants, and it looks like bird poop. <laughs> so they're, they're called orange dogs. I don't know why they're called dogs, but orange dogs, nasty-looking creatures, turn into one of the most beautiful butterflies you can have in the garden. I just wanna throw that out so folks if you're out looking at weird stuff on your plants and it's moving, chances are it's gonna be a beautiful moth or a butterfly if you can leave it alone. Just just saying. Okay. Hey, let's uh let's slide to uh, uh, Tom, this says you're in Barton. Where's Barton?
4: Well, uh it's do you know what Bahia is at? Yeah. Okay. Uh I just figured that behale, uh, Barton is easier to say than Bahia. I okay, live on you the up in, Placid Sands, the, the Coldwater River. <laughs> you up in North Mississippi? That's correct. All right. What's going uh, on this morning? Well, I have some small oak trees. They're about, probably about 10 inches tall now. Uh, I found some acorns that had a kind of a, a, a burr type top that actually yeah. washed across the parking lot, and I overwintered them. I sprouted them, and I got them up. Should I wait till fall or next spring to transplant them? I've got them in pots. And my second question is: my field peas fail this year. So, what would be a good time to replant? And I appreciate okay, those, that.
2: Those, yeah, those are both both good questions. As far as so, you've got these little trees in pot. You dug them up and and they're doing okay, but they're in pots, right? That's right. Okay. Uh, here's the deal: if you keep them in pots. I would put them out where they get sunshine and maybe group them together and pile a bunch of bark mulch all around to cover the pots up. Don't let them just sit in because the pots can overheat sitting up above the ground compared to the stuff in the dirt. So if you cluster them together and mulch around them, uh, they'll grow a whole lot better with, with you having to water uh, the, the least. On the other hand, if you can water, if you want to plant them out, go ahead and plant them outside, you have to be able to water them at least every couple of weeks Dig in first summer, digging a nice wide hole, Put them in it, cover it with leaves, and then uh, you know you could water them by by getting you a, a a water bucket and punch a tiny little hole in the base of it. Set the water bucket by each plant, just fill the water bucket up, and let it trickle in. But if you're not not able to water the, the plants, I'd wait till fall to set them out. So that okay. that's that. Uh, As I forgot what the other question was.
4: Oh, no, the the other. Uh, but let let me ask you one other about the the oak trees. Now I pretty much grown them in an understory shade because that's yeah. how they sprout better should i shade them once i put them out no no they need sunshine
2: i mean you know they, they grow fine out in the sunshine you know the, the main thing is uh you know if you're going to set them out this summer you got to be able to water i'm going to say once a week for two or three weeks and then at least every couple of weeks the rest of the summer so uh you know that's the only gamble
4: but uh okay. they,
2: they do fine in sunshine but I forgot your second question. It was one that oh, I asked earlier. Uh, for my my field peas
4: failed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can you I can still
2: Yeah, you can still plant summer stuff. Really, even up till towards the end of July first of August, even in North Mississippi. The problem is, and I planted pea. I planted uh, some 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 uh, black eyed peas and some corn right before I left uh, about three weeks ago, and I'm hoping that rains enough for them. You're going to have to water a little bit more often because the little seedlings don't have deep roots yet, so so that's a problem. And also, the later you wait, the more likely you're going to have to treat for insects because insects tend to build up. So if you can, if you got some pretty good moist dirt and it's possible to water uh, at least once every week or so, then you can plant those and then just watch out for insects. That's all.
4: All righty. Great. I appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you for calling.
2: Yeah, let's fly down to, to Mobile. Angie, good morning. How are you? Good morning.
0: Thank you guys for having me. Sure. Um, What's up? Yeah. Well, I was calling because I have a pomegranate tree that uh, someone gave to me, the pomegranate uh-huh. tree. I think she said it was like six years old, and my husband dug it up and planted it like, last year, like, maybe in September, and Uh it's been doing really well, and maybe a month ago, it had a ton of little baby pomegranates on it, and I was really excited, but most of them have fallen off now, and I'm just wondering, um, you know, what I need to do, is it a disease, is it a nutrient deficiency, will they come back
2: um, this year? Yeah, that, what's going on with them? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good question. He, here's the deal. It was an older plant, and it was dug at a kind of a difficult time of year. So even though you had nice-looking tops, it didn't have very good roots. It wasn't enough to kill it, but enough to make it struggle. So this spring when it blooms, and I love the pomegranate blooms, this sort of orangey-red color. Um, but a lot of times they'll set fruit, and if the plant can't take them to maturity, it throws them off. It sheds fruit. So all that is distress. What you can try doing uh, this summer, even though it's a good-sized plant, go ahead and prune it back a little bit, or at least thin out some of the branches, thin out some of the limbs, take some of the workload off the roots. And so the energy that would have gone to what you cut off will go to what's left and it will be more vigorous, and it will keep from overwhelming the roots. As hot as it is and dry, a big shrub but it doesn't have very much roots, it's going to struggle. So um, it, the, the the two things I would do would be thin out some of the branches and limbs, maybe prune it back like you would a shrub, and then give it a good soaking, I'm going to say at least every two or three weeks this first summer until it gets good roots to sort of match the top growth. let's see what happens next year. Uh, also keep in mind some pomegranates don't produce pomegranates as well as they produce flowers. Some are grown mostly for their flowers. So it might be you've got a variety that does that. Uh, anyway. Thin out some of the branches or do some pruning. Good deep soaking. Let's see if that doesn't fix it for next year. Okay, because the person I got
0: it from, she said that it, you know it gave her fruit every okay. year. And when we got it, we my husband did cut it way back because it was right. pretty big. But we will definitely um, deal with your recommendations. I have one yeah. more question, and sure. it's about uh, my uh, muscadine vine. Uh huh. Is it too late to kind of prune them? It's very leafy, and I'm trying to maximize my muscadine yield. Can you give me some tips?
2: Yes, uh, it's okay. You know, when you when you put a lot of commercial, my family had a muscadine vineyard. I mean, I started growing muscadines back in the 70s, if you can believe that. Uh, and it's okay when they, when they put out all their growth in the spring, about mid-summer, to cut some of that back a little bit so you can get up under them. But if you cut it back too far, muscadines eyes get their energy and their sweetness and their food and all that from leaves. So, you know, you can trim up the stuff that's in your way. Uh, but as long as you're pruning the plants pretty good every winter to keep them, you know, thinned out, the only pruning I would do would just be to to get rid of the stuff that's in your way.
0: Okay.
2: Now, do you prune pretty hard in the wintertime? Or have you seen, if you watched, like, videos? Yes, how we do did. Pr- okay. So if there, if you got long vines hanging down towards the ground, you can trim those up a little bit, but I wouldn't cut off more than a third or fourth of the leaves total. Okay. Do you know if you can eat those? You know, you can eat grapes. Uh, you know, li I don't know about much. They're awfully slick. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think they're poisonous, but I don't know if they're edible. I, I doubt they're poisonous, but uh, that's a good question. I don't know.
0: Okay, well thank you so much. We enjoyed the show. Thank you Java and you guys have a great
2: day. Stay cool.
4: Appreciate it. How
2: about that Java shout out to Java.
1: Oh, yeah, you're
3: good. Oh yeah, thank you Angie. Yeah, we're we're doing our best to stay cool. It's it's hard out here, <laughs> but we we're, we're doing our best. <laughs> hey, are you in the new studio yet? Not yet, man. They're putting the finishing touches on it. Not, uh, you know, we got to sweep and, and get the dust off, but it's 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 coming Save along. It.
2: They've been saying that for
3: six months.
2: so <laughs> felt a sh- hey, sh- sh-
3: don't tell hey. anybody.
2: <laughs> Listen, be- before we go to our cheesy tune, uh, let's go down to down the to lower Alabama, taller than Melanie. Hi, Melanie, how are you?
5: Hey, pretty good, but I have a
2: giant magnolia tree. Well, it's not giant by magnolia tree standards. <laughs> it's just pretty average. But anyway, it's uh, 40 years old probably. Um, so how far out do the roots from that thing go?
0: It seems like any time I put a shovel full of, of compost anywhere,
2: all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> there's 150 yeah. roots there. Yeah, well, a lot of it depends on what type of soil you've got. But, you know, they, they've done a lot of research on this. And in theory, in general, you can have roots from a tree twice as far from the trunk as the tree is tall. Now, you can't. They, they, they've been measured like that. So at least way out past where the, the drip line is. And if you've got some good dirt, you put a compost bin out there, you put a raised bed, it's going to fill up with roots because they're always looking for good dirt. So, uh, you know, way out past the branches. I'm going to say at least as far from the, the trunk of the tree as tall. You okay, know, so entire, you
5: know. my entire uh,
2: flower bed then in uh, <laughs> half of the yard. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Like I said, you so put a, it you do put do a compost. Does it do any good to just, like, take the shovel and, branch along and try to cut some of those loose at the edge of the flower bed or is that just me wasting is perf- perfectly fine i would i would gu- you know i would do it right at the edge i do it before you get to the edge so because otherwise where you cut them it's like pruning a shrub they're going to just branch out you have more roots to deal with so you know a, a few inches or a foot or so from the flower bed if you take a shovel and just cut straight down when the ground is, is moist uh you know t- you can feel it crunching through the roots that'll take care of most of them without really hurting the tree as long as you're not cutting more than about a third of the roots of the tree off it'll be fine all righty well, folks, this has been interesting Yakima folks, but it's time to do some cheesy music, Java. Did you get the one I sent you today
3: i did man it's uh it's It's kind of jazzy <laughs>
2: it's a, it's a little bit different one. this is this is from uh this is for folks who are raised in high school band. matter of fact, i'm gonna give a shout out to Charles Grove from Kosciuszko, my high school band director. This is a brass band that was formed in 1846 called the Blackburn and Darwin Brass Band, and they're playing in the town square, this little village I'm in in England. They're playing in the town square last week, and it's a sweet old march called the Floral Dance. I thought that'd be nice to do a little floral dance thing. Again, all you high school people, get up, ready to do some marching, and we're going to come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener after this cheesy little tune called the Floral Dance again by the Blackburn and Darwin Brass Band from 1846. If you're both welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little ditty. It's a little, you know. So many of us, we weren't sports inclined, so We ended up being in the band. John,
3: you were in the band, weren't you? I was in the band. I was just having a conversation about this the other day um, because I play alto saxophone. And uh, in full, in full disclosure, I got a, 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 a spa package for Father's Day, and I went to go oh. get, I went to go get the <laughs> manicure uh, the other Did after. You- I did. I did. Felt though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I went and got a manicure, and the manicures. We were talking, and uh, you know, we she was she played piano. I was in the band, and she was like, "Oh, you should make. You should get your saxophone back and start playing again." And I had been thinking about it, so yeah, that's it's, it's kind of funny, man.
1: <laughs>
2: well, you know, I, I, band saved me. I was not athletically inclined, you know, and I hung around with my great grandmother and my grandmother. I hung around with the gardeners, you know, because. First of all, I could, I could do that. Uh, but I played trombone through high school and junior college, got me into the Navy, paid for my college, blah, 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 blah. But trombone was good to me. But anyway, uh, you know, we all think about the teachers who influenced us. And, you know, my, my number one influence in high school was a band director named Charles Grove. He's, he's still in Disco. He ended up going from Indianola Indianola High School uh, to being the president of the High School Band Directors Association of America. So, anyway, shout out to Charles Grove and I, him giving me an appreciation of military marches. So, uh, hey, let me ask you this, uh, Java. You know, we, you know, we got a little. You know, we're interrupting the calls right now.
3: Yeah, we are, and um, we actually, um, I had, I had, I don't know where you're gonna go with this, but I had this little article that I saw, and I wanted to ask you about it. That's something happening in your village, or, or is this what you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, anyway, you tell talking about. Somebody
3: stealing a plant in Jackson? Yeah, in Fondering. In you know, that's that, <laughs> that's your neck of the woods, man. You
2: know, it's, it's kind of weird because people get a lot of trouble. They put plants out in the yard, and, and folks will come up and steal potted plants off your porch. It doesn't happen that often. When it does, it's always a really cool plant. And uh, apparently somebody dug up a brand-new, newly-planted Japanese maple for somebody's front yard. And Japanese maples are not cheap because they're slow-growing.
3: And that's what I was wondering, like, somebody actually, like, took it out of the ground. That was so, it was yes. just so bizarre to me. Like, I just didn't understand.
2: Well, you know, snatch and grab. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's just, you know, it says Father's Day present or something like that. But when you <laughs> see a really cool plant in Japanese maples, like I say, they're slow growing. So by the time they get big enough to look like something, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be expensive. So somebody knew exactly what they were doing. Anyway, it's not the best if they're listening first of all, not the best time to transplant something <laughs> you know with all the seed but second of all, Santa Claus knows that you did it I'm not say
3: now school school me a little bit Felder. i I mean I only have my Google machine, but what uh, Japanese maple give me a little I guess what it would look like or something like that because i I, I well, don't know.
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of people think about regular maple trees, you know, maple syrup and they're big, and they grow all around, around, you know, Mississippi. They got good fall colors. But Japanese maples are smaller and the the most, the most uh, valuable ones are called dwarf Japanese maples. I actually have a couple of them in my, in my yard, but I don't want anybody to know that in case I want to go by and steal them. But they, they typically have smaller leaves. They're really frilly. A lot of times they're, they're a real dark red color. And so they're beautiful ornamental plants and some will get 15, 20 feet tall, they're actually shaping up to be a good replacement for folks who are having trouble with their crape myrtles because we want crape myrtles because they're stunning-looking plants. Japanese maples are stunning-looking also, but if you're going to plant one in your front yard, you might want to tie a brick to the, to the trunk or something, keep people walking off with it. Anyway, it's, it's terrible, terrible. It doesn't happen that often. When it's done, it's always a shock. Hey, let me, let me tell you something that's some good news that I heard this past week. Uh, you you know you've probably heard about monarch butterflies and they migrate to Mexico and they're in serious decline because of pesticides and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with that, well the good news is they've been declining uh, where they 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 fly all the way from like New England and and in Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee all the way down to Mexico, but they've been declining down there. There hasn't been as many that made it for a lot of different reasons. Well the good news is if they're, they're starting to pick back up. But there's a big uptick in in how they they reproduce here in the United States. More of the monarchs that come back are laying eggs, hatching more caterpillars, more monarchs. And so is actually a it's not a short they're one of the most plentiful, prolific butterflies right now on our continent. So there's some good news there. That is good. That's right. You, you do creature comforts too, don't you? Yeah. Let, 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 hook me up with those folks because I want to talk about this. It's really good news because there's been a big conservation push, and they're sort of symbolic. And, and it's looking pretty good. I'd, I'd like to see what they think about that. I got a question on this Mississippi Gardening Facebook page about potted plants in the summertime. Somebody wanted to know, do we need to fertilize them as much this time of year? Do we need to push them a lot? You know, they're talking about outdoor plants, like you know, things growing in pots. And um, I use my approach, which is sort of um, it's somewhere between horticulture science and empathy. You know, on one hand, plants need fertilizer to grow. They they need it. They don't need as much as the fertilizer people I'll tell you they do. And so what I'd say, say is fertilize them at half strength this time of year, whether it's the lawn or potted plants or anything, enough to help them grow but not enough to push them and all this heat, which is a lot of extra stress. Uh, But anyway, I want to throw in this real quick, uh, Jawa, about the Mississippi Gardening Facebook. I get a lot of questions uh, uh, there. Probably, I'm going to say 40 a day, maybe 50. Uh, And uh, and a lot of folks don't do uh, the Facebook stuff. But this site has a lot of home gardeners showing what they've done, sharing tips, asking questions, helping each other out. Uh, Dr. Gary Bachman pops in every now and then, another experts, but it's mostly just garden variety gardeners showing what they do and asking each other for help. Uh, anyway, if anybody wants to check it out, if you go to Mississippi Gardening on Facebook uh, and then the search thing, type in rushing, then click on John Rushing. I'm not on there as Belder Rushing. I'm on there John Rushing. Anyway, you – I, every week I upload two or three dozen pictures that I take from around gardens. Right now it's from all over England, including stuff at Royal Botanic Gardens and shows and sweet little things from around my village. But anyway, it's a folksy place, and we keep it nice. Nobody argues. Nobody says kill stuff with fire. Nobody gets mad. It's a sweet little pure home gardening site called Mississippi Gardening. I just don't
3: want to throw that out. So if I throw some pictures up there of my uh, puny-looking Sansevieria, nobody's going to say throw it away.
2: Well, I might. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I was—I I might suggest you put some Mardi Gras beads on
3: it. Okay, okay. There we go.
2: <laughs> but, hey, do we have time to play another little short cheesy tune?
3: I believe we actually do, Felder. We actually do.
2: You know, as as hot as it is and dry as it is and plants need so much, I thought maybe we could use something relaxing that is sort of a plea type of thing. So let's run this one. This is from an old cowboy uh, group called Sons of the Pioneers. Sons of the Pioneers sang a bunch of sweet ballads, and this is about cool, cool water. I'm horticulturist Stella Rushing, and me and Java Chapman, all the other folks at MPB, we're glad you tuned in. Uh, Be sure to to spread the word about the podcast. We have over a quarter of a million downloads, and people can listen to it anytime at all. So we're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after this little quiet plea for help from above.
4: All day I faced a barren waste Without the taste of water Cool
1: water, water. Old down and I With throats burnt dry He's the devil, not a man And he spreads a burning sand with water Water. Water. And can you see that big green tree Where the water's running free And it's waiting there for me and you The shadows sway and seem to say Tonight we'll pray for water Water, water, and Keep a moving, Dan, don't you water, listen to him, Dan He's the water, devil, not a man, and he spreads water, the burning sand with water Dan, can you see that big water, green tree where the water's running free And, and it's water, waiting there for me and you?
2: It's hot, hot, muggy and all, summer weekend. Uh, if you've got some questions during the week about uh, gardening, um, shoot me an email at, at my own personal thing. It's, it's blog, Not net or com, but blog. Got a little button that says email me, and I'll be glad to... To uh, to help you out, also check out the Mississippi Garden Facebook, where lots of po- folks be glad to see pictures of what you got and all. But
3: now, Felbert anyway, you're yeah. talking about the podcast. The picture for this week is going to be is is it your full English breakfast?
2: <laughs> well, it, it's not exactly a full English breakfast. You know, I like to. Every place has its. You know, every place has their bologna sandwiches, their comfort food, but. If you were to order a full English breakfast anywhere in the United Kingdom, it's going to have eggs. It's going to have bacon or ham, as they call it. Uh, it's going to have sausage. It's going to have a boiled tomato. Lots of times it'll have uh, uh, boiled mushrooms and maybe even black pudding, and I won't even go into what that is. But one of the classic things of an full English breakfast is they have pork and beans, regular
3: beans, and
2: I like it. So anyway, I thought it'd be interesting to show a picture of what a full English breakfast is. So that'll be in a podcast, right?
3: Yes, sir. It'll be up there um, with the uh, yeah with, with with today's show. Yep.
2: Yep. Well, it's been, it's, been a, it's been a good day. You know, we had a little interruption on the calls, but uh, folks, I uh, hope you have a, a, a good weekend. I know it's hot. I know you need to wear a hat. I know you need to stay hydrated, but those aren't good enough in this kind of weather. You also need to stay indoors when it's hot because your sweat can't evaporate. So no matter how healthy you are hydrated, you can overheat. So can your pets and birds and butterflies. Put a makeshift bird hat bird, uh Bird bath out there just to give something for wildlife and if you get a chance hot as it is in the mornings take a kid to a garden center they've got plenty of stuff you can plant this time of year in pots you can take it easy you can do it on a port you can water it from inside the house just open the door and squirt stuff on it but it's important to teach kids how to do what we do and what job is doing in his own office and that's get dirty see y'all next week